listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 6th of September 2022. Uh, later, how long do you hold on to your smartphone before upgrading? We'll find out what the rest of the country does. But first, to official interest rates where the Reserve Bank has lifted the official cash rate by 50 basis points to 2.35%. That is a seven and a half year high. So what does it mean for the borrower? For someone with a $500,000 25-year mortgage, it means that your monthly repayments will rise by $144 per month. Now add all the rate rises we've seen since May, and that increase is 614. What happens now and what does it say about the economy? For more, I spoke earlier with Belinda Allen. She is a senior economist at the Commonwealth Bank. Yeah, it's a good question. After five consecutive monthly rises, the RBA seems very much focused on controlling inflation, making sure it doesn't accelerate too much from here. Uh, they already expect it to peak at seven and three quarter percent later this year. So they very much sounded like an inflation fighting central bank talking tough with the aim of really getting inflation back down towards target uh, towards the end of next year. So they're continuing to lift interest rates. They've signalled more to come, and I think it's really based on that inflation story. Uh, Were there any surprises in the statement? I think two from me. So it's the first time they didn't talk about normalising monetary policy. So every statement up until now had talked about needing to normalise monetary policy, but with the cash rate at 2.35%, they're obviously a lot closer to their view of neutral, so they've removed that from the statement. And then the second surprise really was their addition of talking about the lags between higher RBA cash rates and then when higher mortgage repayments are felt by households. So that's the first time they referred to that lag, uh, which could also signal that maybe they're starting to to see that disconnect between uh, the economic data uh, and yet uh, those higher mortgage repayments are still to come. Can we go into that in more detail? Because I think CBA has done some numbers on it. Um, How Mm. long does it actually take for borrowers to actually feel the impact of rate rises? It's actually longer than, than you think. So... On average, it's up to around three months, uh, particularly for for CBA customers. So the RBA could announce uh, higher interest rates two weeks later, banks pass those higher interest rates on. But depending on uh, your frequency of mortgage repayment or where you are in that repayment cycle, the actual higher repayment amount uh, may not be deducted from your bank account for up to three months after the RBA decision. So at the moment, Uh, Some mortgage holders have only really experienced the May and June rate hike. They're yet to really feel the July, August and obviously today's September rate hike as well. And that, I think, helps explain why we're seeing some disconnect between very weak consumer sentiment data, but yet still strong consumer spending data. So considering we've now had five rate rises in a row, how significant is this one? Because it goes beyond that three months that you were talking about Mm. and the scope. Could it really start to now show up in the economy and how? Look, I think these rate hikes that we've faced over the past uh, five rate hikes or or four months will impact on the consumer. We can already see that through uh, deeply pessimistic consumer sentiment readings 
If we just look at our own uh, CBA credit and debit card spending data, it, there is certainly signs of a moderation in spending growth, particularly in discretionary categories. So these rate hikes are significant. It's taking the cash rate back to where it was in 2015. So you're capturing a significant amount of borrowers who haven't had higher interest rates before, but also who have borrowed really over the past seven years and facing high repayments. So these will impact. Uh, it is just taking longer to come through because of those lags between high rates and uh, the higher mortgage repayments. But the leading indicators in the Australian economy are turning. So now that we're talking about the impact to consumer sentiment spending, the fact that we're acknowledging this lag time, the RBA still says rates will continue to rise, although it's not on a preset path. So what does that mean? And where does the Commonwealth Bank see rates going? Do you still see it peaking at 2.6%? So we will continue to see the RBA lift rates. I think they've they've signalled that today. We have an all-important speech by Governor Lowe on Thursday. So the title of that speech is Inflation and the the Monetary uh, Policy inflation and the monetary policy framework. We could get more details on what they're thinking, uh, but but based on the fact that we think the economy is slowing, uh, we have the peak cash rate at 2.6%, although we think the risk is sitting with that a high rate of 2.85%, which would be probably two more rate hikes from here. Uh, and then really, based on the huge amount of tightening we've seen by the RBA, we should see a pause And when the RBA comes back in 2023, you will see signs the Australian economy slowing and should see them uh, pause on their interest rate hiking cycle. You have a significant roll off of fixed rate home loans next year that will slow the consumer even more. And then we have rate cuts in our profile in late 2023. Belinda Allen there, the Senior Economist at the Commonwealth Bank, will take a look at how it impacted the share market in a few moments. But firstly, a change of pace and let's talk about smartphones. And the question is, how long do you hold onto your device? Well, experts at Telsite say it's 3.3 years. So, will the rising cost of living mean that you hold onto your device for a little bit longer? Marcus Mikolokonomos spoke with Teslite MD, Fawad Fadagi. What we're seeing is that more Australians are very much seeing their smartphones as what we're seeing is that more Australians are very much seeing their smartphones as an essential part of their life. Uh, nearly half use it as their primary digital device. They're using it for everything, uh, music, videos, work, education, banking, payments, um, government interactions and so forth. So it's hard to see how something so essential might be impacted by price rises uh, going forward in the economy. So, yeah, definitely being perceived as a necessity, more important than a wallet these days and keys to the car. Uh, look, absolutely. Um, you know, phones these days can actually be the keys to your car as well. So uh, people are upgrading these devices on average about every three years. But um, this has been growing over the last few years as the, the market has matured and devices have taken on uh, a lot more functionality. Are there any changes or new trends in phone features that customers are demanding these days? 
Look, I think uh, battery life remains one of those critical areas where uh, consumers are demanding more and more of each time they upgrade their uh, smartphone. Uh, 5G is also one of those hygiene factors um, that consumers are looking for, given that it's the most recent technology um, for connectivity and speed. And I guess what we're also seeing is an interest in larger screens or indeed possibly even folding screens that give uh, consumers more real estate to work and play with. In addition to smartphones, we're seeing a boom in wearable devices such as smartwatches and smart hearables um, growing very strongly as more people uh, are doing hybrid work as well as using their wearables for health and fitness reasons. So whether or not it's a smartphone or a wearable, we think for the second half of this year, uh, Australian consumers are going to continue to buy technologies despite some of the economic headwinds. And um, just finally, the battle between iPhone and Android, how is that shaping up? So Apple has been very strong in Australia for many years uh, with very durable handsets and a strong repeat purchase intention. Some 90% of iPhone users plan to upgrade to another iPhone eventually. Uh, I guess the, the challenge for Apple has been its size um, as an operator in the market in the sense that it's very difficult for it to source um, you know, emerging technology parts, for example, for uh, their range of devices. So while people aren't necessarily switching away from iPhones, uh, many iPhone users have been, uh, I guess, had their heads turned towards some of these newer, more experimental designs coming out from manufacturers such as Samsung, uh, such as the ones that can fold or flip. Uh, we believe it's inevitable that Apple will go down this path. However, it might take a few more years given the size and scale um, of their requirements going forward. That was Marcus Megalokonomos speaking with Fawe Fadagi from Telsite. Now let's go back to the interest rate decision where the Australian share market actually Bell after that announcement, the S&P ASX 200 down 0.4%, 6,826. However, the lithium sector did pretty well. For more, I spoke earlier with Azim Sharif from CMC Markets. I feel that people are just reacting to lithium stocks just as and when they feel they need to. That's the thing. Um, there was obviously some news that came out overnight. So uh, there were a few brokers that came out with upgrades to lithium miners. Um, and people, investors love upgrades and downgrades when it comes to from uh, brokers as well. So there was a um, there was broker upgrades from the likes of Jeffries, J.P. Morgan, and Macquarie on a few lithium stocks such as Alchem, uh, Lake Resources, Lion Town Resources, and Core Lithium. So the reasons that they gave is uh, given, sorry, is uh, they're expecting increased lithium demand over the next couple of years. Again, that is still a more medium to long, uh, longer term view, nothing immediate, but because the news came out, markets are reacting. Um, Macquarie has upgraded their Alchem price target by about 50%. So again, they're very bullish or very positive on where lithium is going to be. A few key reasons that they did give is they're expecting buoyant lithium prices to continue driving material upside. Um, and because they're expecting a lot of these uh, lithium producers to have a lot of free cash flow as well to reinvest into their business and expand. Um, the other key thing that the, the brokers mentioned as well is that 
the US state of California are now mandating all new vehicles sold in the state to be either EV or hydrogen powered by 2035. So that's almost another 13 years away. So we're not anywhere close. But again, you know, investors want to jump on the bandwagon before the, the rest of the market jumps in and get in, uh, you know, um, I guess, while the while the iron is hot. So that's where lithium is going. Again, it's just off the broker upgrades, um, but we could potentially see this uh, cycle up and down as, you know, more brokers come into play and obviously more investors come into the market. So still a long-term play, um, but I think investors just love lithium and lithium love investors, especially Australian investors. So we could see a bit of positivity over the next uh, couple of years. Azim Sharif there from CMC Markets. And we also spoke earlier today to Jessica Amir from Saxo Markets in Singapore today uh, about energy moves. Jessica, what's the latest with energy prices? Because we've seen overnight OPEC surprising everyone with a, a slight cut in production. And at the same time, Russia halted gas flows on a major pipeline to Europe. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the energy market. It's a bit hard to keep up. But the fact of the matter is this winter uh, in Europe, they will be running out of energy. So they're facing potentially one of the biggest humanitarian issues uh, that they've ever faced in history. So this is a critical issue for energy. Um, What happened overnight with OPEC announcing a slight cut, this doesn't really alleviate the pressure uh, from runaway oil and energy prices. We do have to remember that OPEC does say that there will be a lack of supply and high demand next year. So the market is contending with a lot of things. Not only will Europe run out of energy this year, uh, but also next year, we're probably going to be short as well. This all means high prices for energy. And Australia's current account surplus, it increased to $18.3 billion. Coal exports exceeded $100 billion annually for the first time. Exports up across the board 15%, mining and agri-commodities. Just how significant is all of this? It's pretty significant. So Australia's exports are absolutely on a tear. But we have to reflect on why this is happening. The reason this is happening is because the world is running short of critical energy supply. So we've seen our exports to India, uh, Indonesia and other parts of the world hit record highs. The fact of the matter is we're not even at peak coal demand. We have to look back at history and in history we know that coal demand typically spikes in December, January. Right now coal prices, they're already at a record high. This is supporting higher prices for future coal, but it's also supporting higher prices for coal stocks and also higher prices to come for Australia's trade balance. So we do have to remember, though, it is very hard for the consumer. It means higher energy bills. But for those invested in coal companies, it means that they can pat themselves on the back because they're probably getting the world's best returns that are available on the global share market. Jessica Ramir there from Saxo Markets. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. (laughs) 